to Ghoulish Tendencies. I'm Gabby. And I'm Kim. And we are two paranormal investigators who delve into the depths of the famous and not-so-famous cases of Moida, ghosts, legends, and lore with a healthy dose of debunking. Debunking. I have uh, uh, an amusing ghost moment. <laughs> oh. Ghoulment? Uh, eh? I'm not Mo- sure if we're going to get that Mogul. trending. No. Mogul's a different thing. Never mind. Very I'll take different that back. Uh, the listeners at home might know, because I've mentioned once or twice, Millie, my haunted doll. Ah, Millie, our friend. We our can friend. talk about her recklessly right now, I think. We can because I'm not home. Oh, yep. So let's let's get the real dish on Millie. Well, so I'm currently visiting my my parents in Medford, Oregon. Uh, we're going to be heading to Manzanita in a couple days. I think by the time this episode comes out, I'll be... I don't know, probably still in Manzanita and then coming back to Medford and then going home. Anyway, that's not that interesting. Um, I have a cat named Tilly. Tilly and Millie. Oh, Tilly my God, their names rhyme. That's Millie. so cute. I never realized that. Well, her name is Matilda, but I call her Tilly. Sure. Right. So um, anyway, I, I kind of struggled to find a cat sitter. And a friend of mine who... I wonder who won. <laughs> no, like, I have a normal cat sitter, but she had a wedding. And, and some of the other people who normally watch my cat have vacations. One of them just moved out of my building. It's it's just been kind of one of those weird times where I, I have uh, struggled to find a cat sitter. So, And um, also, didn't one of your old cat sitters get freaked out by all the stuff in your house and put it on TikTok? <laughs> she did. That was mostly her being funny, though. <laughs> like, she messaged me, and she was like, I'm going to do this. That's fine, right? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Like, she's met me. She works with me. She knows this. That's very funny, though. Still very funny. It was a, it was a, it was a delightful video. Um, no, I I got another teaching artist friend of mine, artist friend of mine who um, a great state my plays. She dog sits a lot. She pet sits. She house sits. She's lovely. I want I want to make sure in case she listens to this for some reason. She's absolutely lovely. She's a delightful human being. But um, and it hadn't occurred to her until actually our mutual friend and our boss at one of the theaters I work at had said, well, so, you know, aren't you worried about Kim's haunted doll? Uh-oh. <laughs> and it hadn't really occurred to her. And generally, it's not something that occurs to my pet sitters. I don't point you don't it really out. advertise no. it either. Unless you're listening to this podcast. Sure. But it's not something I bring up a whole lot. Like, hey, and right. make sure you chat with my haunted doll. So uh, she's over, and I'm, like, taking her through everything. You know, this is how much cat food. This is where the cable box is, whatever. Right. And she brings that up, and she's like, I don't know. I might be freaked out by this, but it might be fine. So we were going back and forth. I left this morning when we were recording this. It was this morning. Um, but I get a message from her last night being like, yeah, no, I, I'm – can you – it's it's freaking me out too much. Can you do something? So – I took my haunted doll. Millie. Millie. I took poor Millie. I'm talking to her this whole time. I've never moved other than um, I've brought Millie on field trips before to, to like theater rehearsals and classes because my students. Yeah, meet the kids. Yeah, and they get a big kick out of her. Um, but uh, I take her in the elevator. I take her down to my storage locker. <sighs> I still feel kind of guilty about this. I put her in my storage unit. And that's where she's going to be for the next 10 days. And I'm not going to lie. I'm a little nervous about what she might do. 
Millie might set something on fire in the basement. She might, or she might wait till I'm back. <clears throat> and, like, let's not forget, this bitch turned my stove on before. Yeah, I remember that very distinctly. And what does Kim always worry about when she leaves the I house? I obsessively check my stove. I'm like, not even kidding. I have a whole routine on my way out. I grab my keys. I go into the kitchen. I have to hit each burner. One, two, three, four. I look for the light. I hit each burner. And then I leave my apartment. Like, that's how much it actually, like, sticks in my head. So, Of course, then you get the haunted doll that turns your stove on. Of yeah. course. Um, so no, I, I mean, she's currently in the storage unit. I talked to her about it ahead of time. Like she's next <laughs> to the box with a bunch of comic books. She's got reading material, but I'm a little nervous that, that, and it's funny. She tends to be a lot more inactive in the summer and I'm not sure if this is going to prompt something. I mean, it could be fine. Could be fine. Could be fine. Or... <laughs> It could not be fine. When 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 next we speak, I might be a ghost myself. We'll see. That would make for a really fun podcast. It's I has anyone tried that before? Like done a podcast with a ghost? I mean, isn't that just an investigation really? <laughs> I don't know. Is that really a podcast though? No, it depends on if you publish it. I guess sure. we could go down a rabbit hole of that one. Yeah, so look into it. But anywho, <laughs> uh, exciting news about uh, ghost updates with Millie. Um, we'll see how that comes around next time we record. We will provide you with an update if it's active or if Kim has joined Millie on the other side. If I'm dead, um, I'll let you know. Yep, I'll, I'll just you can possess me, and we'll just I'll just have a podcast where I talk to myself, and Scully will come out as Kim nice. possessing me. Nice. And then I will go to an insane asylum promptly. Um, having said that, we are going to talk about our topic today. <laughs> we're going to talk about our topic? What? Yeah, man. Um, is that what we're supposed to do? I think so. Um, uh, so this is going to be a cryptid <gasps> episode. Yay! We haven't done a proper cryptid in a while. We have not. And this episode is inspired by Kim Douth, <gasps> who brought what? up this topic oh, I did. five times it's during true. the search of what should I cover next. I mean, to be fair, it's a weird topic. It is a weird topic. And, you know, like many of the other cryptids that we have covered and will cover in the future... How and why this story exists is actually, I think, a little bit more intriguing than the story itself. Um, and, you know, this is one that isn't given as much attention. It's not. It's really not. It's not. not it's not as well known as, like, Bigfoot. Sure. Nessie. Nessie, Mothman, what have yeah. you. Jersey Devil, our friend. Jersey Devil. Pants. Oh, there is a Running cameo pants. of the Jersey Devil <gasps> in one of the more recent episodes of What We Do in the Shadows. And it is the funniest episode I have literally ever seen. Um, so if you haven't seen it, this is like early Creepy Critics Corner. Go watch it. It's great. Um, but anyway, love a cryptid, right? People have actually taken this particular one quite Seriously. I like, I've read a little about the dude who kind of has, I don't know, the main one researching this. Yes. He's fascinating. Will, yes, we will get to him in a moment. And nice. it's going to be, I literally called him 
Kim Douthat's new <gasps> BFF. So, like, of course you think he's fascinating. I called that. Um, authors like himself, who we will mention and the topic that we'll mention in just a second, oh, authors yeah. uh, have been fascinated by this cryptid, and cryptozoologists continue their search, mm-hmm. expending resources and efforts mm. trying to explain in legitimate zoological terms the existence of this creature. This creature is the Mongolian death worm. Yes. What is it, Kim? The Mongolian death worm. The Mongolian death worm. <laughs> what are we covering? The Mongolian death worm. We said it like 17 times last time we talked about this. It was very funny. It's because saying Mongolian death worm is also just very satisfying. It just sounds like a great band, honestly. It does. Like, it, it sounds I like really, it should be a metal band. I want it to be a metal band. I almost want it to be a metal band so badly that like every guitar that is played or bass that's played is a literal like worm with a guitar on it. Like that would be like the best missed opportunity that no one has done yet. So somebody do it, please. Um, Anyway, you may have seen iterations of some sort of Mongolian death worm in countless films and in literature. Mm-hmm. From the sandworms in Dune mm-hmm. and Beetlejuice, one of my Tremors. favorite movies of all time. Yeah, the Graboid in yes. Tremors. To the Sarlacc in Star Wars, which is not quite the same, oh. but also there's a lot of like sandworm yeah. monsters out there. Like mm-hmm. that's like a common thing. Um, what is the Mongolian death worm, you may ask, sweet listener? Um, let me tell you what it would be described as. Also, fair warning, cryptids mean legends and lore. If you didn't catch on to this yet, um, that's what this is. Also, I just, you know, heads up, lots of allegedly's to come. Allegedly. Um, Allegedly. Thank you, Kenny. Um, this is a sausage shaped (laughs) lethal worm. (laughs) I'm sorry, what's what's the shape, Gabby? Sausage. It's a sausage-shaped sure. lethal worm, could kill you, uh, living in the sand of the Gobi Desert. Mm. And it only leaves its burrow in the summertime to hunt. But most Ooh. notably, it is capable, allegedly, allegedly, of killing a man or mm. woman or person. Just to watch them die? Two different ways. Oh, oh. There are options. Ooh. First option is via a corrosive yellow venom that eats through the skin and bones, liquefying internal organs of its victims, and it can be sprayed from a reasonable distance. Ew. I really wish everyone could see Kim Douthat's face right now. This is an audio medium, but this is the greatest ew face I've ever seen. Um, But yeah, it can be sprayed (laughs) from a reasonable distance and is powerful enough to allegedly... Allegedly. Kill a camel or a horse. Oh, (laughs) jeez. That's option A. So it's like the the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park that spit shit. Mm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, okay. You know, Uh, know, no. It's because they, you know. Yeah, it's very, very saliva-y. I get hairball. 
Or, or option two, option, option B two. is by giving off an electrical charge that can kill a human from a distance. Wait, Kim has questions. Hold on. <laughs> Similar to the idea of electric eels <laughs> and are able to emit a charge of up to 650 volts like an electric eel. Who has this evidence? I want to know this. Uh, questions. There's going to be lots of questions. <laughs> questions. Wait, but there's more. So some people actually believe that the worm has some sort of psychic ability <laughs> in that it is able to kill you just by looking at you. I'm sorry, but if only I could do that to mansplainers. <gasps> Am I right? Wait, I'm trying to right now. Hold on. Okay, but like, think about it. Like, imagine Kim. I need you to imagine right now. I am. I am. I am so hard. Just being annoyed at someone. <laughs> this never happens to either of us. Imagine just being annoyed by someone and giving them a literal look of death. One can dream. One gonna, can dream. Or you could be a Mongolian this. death worm. Can I, wait, no, but Gabby, can I be a Mongolian death worm? Kim's Halloween costume, everyone. <sighs> So she needs to look like a sausage. Kim's going to dress mm. up like a sausage. <laughs> Everyone's going to think she's just uh, a, a psychic penis. Sausage. She's going to walk around with a, a peeler and say she's peeling herself like an onion. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, re- I didn't callback. realize quite how many times I said that recently. Uh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Got to give it a callback every episode. Um, anywho, let's get back to this sausage friend, shall we? So the Mongolian term for this worm creature that mm-hmm. allegedly exists in this Gobi Desert is the, I'm going to mispronounce this, Olgoi Korkoi. Sure. Which is a literal translation to large intestine worm. <laughs> that, or, sound, that sounds unpleasant. <laughs> there's another option. Oh, dear. Blood-filled intestine. Ew. Also great. You should get that checked out. <laughs> so, uh, as far as the look, they of probably this... have a cream for that. Oh no! Sorry, ectoplasm. Ectoplasm. Um, <laughs> allegedly, it's a blood red or brown colored creature, <laughs> and can be from two to five feet long. With Man. some cases saying it could be up to ten feet long, which I, I mean, people like to exaggerate. Men also create these stories, and this already sounds like a phallic-looking thing, so why not? Um, Apparently, both ends look the same with no discernible head or tail. So, like, a giant sausage-like looking worm? Or like a giant poop? Yeah, but it's, like, blood red, so that's problematic. I mean, again, you should get get a doctor to look at that if your poop is like that. You're welcome for this... Very detailed description <laughs> of this alleged Mongolian death worm. You're welcome. Poop. Now, a tiny but extraordinary body of literature is the only thing <laughs> that can be considered evidence. 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 Not actually evidence. I'm just going to say that now. Um, but just documentation, if you will. Sure. Um, there has never been a Mongolian death worm that has been captured photographed, or reliably documented. Wait, Gabby, you're telling me a cryptoid that's not been proven to exist? What? I mean, we had the pants. That video was great. It looked like a Muppet. Yeah, again, that's not what I would call pants. Evidence. 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 
So let's get into some fun facts. I feel like Kim will very much appreciate this. I'm sure our listeners will. Kim, Kim likes facts. So the earliest known English language account of this odd creature appeared in 1922 or 1926, depending on your reference, um, with Asia Magazine's publication of selections from zoologist Roy Chapman Andrews' book On the Trail of Ancient Man. Now, this book was a narrative of Andrews' large, super well-organized and well-funded second scientific expedition through Mongolia. Okay. Its goal was to document its zoological history, and it was actually sponsored by the American Museum of Natural History, which is kind of cool. There were over 50 scientific papers that were published by various scientists in Andrew's party as a result of this particular expedition. So it gave them a lot of information. Now, this sounds like it would be a reliable source if it's being sponsored by the American Museum of Natural History, right? Yeah, that's a fair, that's a fair assessment. Sure. So in the summer of 1919, Andrews and his group of peeps were in the Mongolian capital, Ulaanbaatar. I can't pronounce it. Sure. Uh, at the time, it was called Urga. Uh, and they were, um, they were to meet the Minister of Foreign Affairs, considered the premier, and other officials uh, on the Mongolian cabinet to just finalize the details of their expedition and their permits. So that way they would know where they'd be able to go. Um, and this is a direct quote from his documentation. Then the premier asked that, if it were possible, I should capture for the Mongolian government a specimen of the Allegori Horai Horai. I can't pronounce it. I doubt whether any of my scientific readers can identify this animal. I could because I had heard of it often. None of those present ever had seen the creature, but they all firmly believed in its existence and described it minutely. It is shaped like a sausage, (laughs) about two feet long, has no head nor legs, and is so poisonous that merely to touch it means instant death. It lives in the most desolate parts of the Gobi Desert, whither we were going. To the Mongols, it seems to be what the dragon is to the Chinese. The premier said that, although he had never seen it himself, he knew a man who had and had lived to tell the tale. Then a cabinet minister stated that, quote, the cousin of his late wife's sister, end quote, had also seen it. Friend of a friend of a friend. Sure. I promised to produce the Alagorhai Horhai if we chanced to cross its path and explained how it could be seized by means of long steel collecting forceps. Moreover, I could wear dark glasses so that the disastrous effects of even looking at so poisonous a creature would be neutralized. Sure. So it sounds like people were kind of taking this thing pretty seriously. If they're going to explain it to this scientist person who's doing this research... Somebody thought it was real, right? Sure, there had been yeah. stories about it. So in 1932, Andrews published this information again in another book called The New Conquest of Central Asia. In it, he said, quote, it is reported to live in the most arid sandy regions of the Western Gobi. But he also said that he did not believe in the creature's existence in the same book. 
so while he thought he would believe in it the first time he researched it, by the time he published his second book, he was convinced it didn't exist. Okay. So this is the first thing that was published about it, but it didn't really get a ton of traction. Um, and I, I had to question, like, okay, this is like a, an American coming in to Mongolia, right? Like, what kind of Mongolian documentation was there? If this is such a big deal and everybody knows about it, where are the, you know, documented stories? Now, one of the things about it is the Mongolians actually feared that just hearing the name of that creature or writing it down was bad luck. And so, therefore, it had not been directly documented as much as we would think it would have been because they considered it to be bad luck. There's another piece of this that's like, at the time, they had a communist government. And the communist government kept that entire area isolated and outlawed any searches for Mm. this creature. And the government even referred to it as a quote-unquote fairy tale. So, eh, I could see why people would be afraid to publish it. Of course, yeah, no, that, yeah, that makes complete sense. So, with research in other parts of the world, there's the other thing that we hit, and I think we come across this often with researching in different countries that have different languages. Yes. Is that there are language barriers, right? Absolutely. And Mongolian is a very isolated language. Uh, there isn't a ton of literature that's been translated from Mongolian, sure. actually. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's a member of the Altaic language family and it has Hmm. little connection to anything outside of Chinese languages. It's written uh, in the Cyrillic alphabet. And because of that, more of it has been translated into Russian than in any other language. And even then it's very minimal. So that's why it's super hard to find anything on this kind of stuff from the people who originated this legend. Now, enter Russian paleontologist Ivan Yefrenov. Good name, Ivan. Great name. So, in 1944, Russian paleontologist and science fiction writer Ivan Yefrenov, love him for being a sci-fi writer, was inspired by Andrew's publication, and he actually wrote his own short story, considered a horror short story, titled Olgoy Korkoy. I can't pronounce this word. I'm really sorry. I'm going to say it 75 times. I'm going to mispronounce it every single time. (laughs) Now, in this story, a party of geologists is terrorized by these worms. And uh, Yefrenov um, actually heard the stories uh, when he uh, accompanied a Soviet Academy of Sciences um, paleobiological expedition say that 10 times fast, into the Gobi (laughs) Desert in 1946. So he actually went there in 1946. And um, four years after his short story, he wrote a nonfiction book about the Soviet expedition called The Wind's Path. And he actually detailed conversations with Mongols about the death worm in this nonfiction book. Okay. Uh, He also went and studied fossils in the Gobi Desert. And wrote that he had heard about this legend of the Olgai Korkoi many times, but he still said that nobody had claimed to see it at this point in time. Hmm. So it pops up in a nonfiction thing. Sure. Enter Ivan number two. Wait, there's more than one Ivan? 
Hashtag everybody's named Ivan. Everybody's named Ivan. <laughs> Sounds familiar, huh? It does. Uh, Ivan Mackerel. Mackerly. Mac- Mackerel? Mackerly. However you want. How would you pronounce that? M-A-C-K-E-R-L-E. It's like um, mackerel, but the E-L is backwards. Mackerel. 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 mackerel? We'll just call him mackerel. Ivan Mackerel. Holy mackerel. That's what we'll call him. <laughs> Kim Douthat's. <laughs> New best friend, BFF. <laughs> this is the scientist person you were talking about earlier, Kim. Uh, yes, 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 yes. So we're going to fast forward to the 1980s. Okay, let's do it. 1980s welcome, were a great time. Yep, that's when we were made. It was. Um, our friend Ivan, part new, holy mackerel, Ivan Mackerel. He was a Czech cryptozoologist, an author. A design engineer, an auto engineer, an explorer, and an avid researcher. Sounds like somebody we'd be friends with. Yeah, absolutely. He actually organized expeditions. Get this, Kim. This is why I was like, Kim's going to love him. He organized expeditions to search for the Loch Ness Monster in Scotland. Yes! The Tasmanian Tiger in Australia. Nice. And the elephant bird in Madagascar. <gasps> no way. Way. This guy is rad. What? I want to hang awesome. out. That's awesome. No, I totally want to hang out. So he was actually living in Prague, even though he was Czech, and he had slightly uh, improved access to Russian and Mongolian literature um, on the death worm because he could read Russian. Sure. And this is how he had access to those documents. He managed to collect just about everything that he could that was written about this Mongolian death worm, the Olgoi Korkoi, including our friend Ivan Number One, oh. Yefrenov, and Andrew's accounts. So he found both of those guys' information that we just talked about. And it was him. He was the one who put everything together and popularized it for Western audiences of modern times. Seriously. Seriously. So he's the one who literally, like, lit the flame of the Mongolian death worm for the modern time cryptid. Hmm. In a book in 1987, it was called, oh, God, I can't pronounce this, Altshin Sadak Govt. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, Ivan Mackerel cites a Mongolian legend which described a creature as traveling underground, creating waves of sand on the surface, which would allow it to be detected, and literally perfectly described the sausage-like worm that we were just talking about. So he keeps digging, figuratively speaking. And in 1990, the Mongolian book Braid of Mongolian Secrets, it's a great title, Um, There was an author that cited a Soviet scientist named A.D. Simulkov as having described the creature back in 1930. Although in this particular book, he didn't give a source. There weren't any other mentions of uh, where this scientist came from in any other reports. So it didn't really have a lot of weight to it. Not the best evidence, if you will. Evidence. Evidence. But it didn't stop our friend Ivan Mackerel. Uh, He did some literal digging after the figurative digging. And in 1990, 1992, and in 2004, he led small groups of companions into the Gobi Desert to search for this death worm. Uh, It wouldn't be surprising to you if I told you that uh, he 
was super inspired by a certain sci-fi book written in 1965. Kim, can you guess what that book might have been? A sci-fi book written in 1965? Yes, about sandworms. (laughs) Was it um, perhaps Dune? (laughs) Yes, it was, in fact, Frank Herbert's Dune. Uh, and uh, if you don't know this book, um, I don't know what hole you're living in, um, but it's about a giant fictional sandworm or multiple giant fictional sandworms um, that are brought to the surface of the sand with rhythmic thumping, mm-hmm. specifically with rhythmic, rhythmic thumping. Say that 10 times fast. Rhythmic thumping, rhythmic thumping. That sounds <laughs> like it would be something else, but we're going to keep this <laughs> <laughs> so you, you would think that y- yes with this sausage worm um <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so mackerel takes inspiration from the book and he actually constructed a motor driven thumper and even used small explosions to try to find this sandworm so he tried to basically make dune happen irl in this expedition he did. And he actually met some friends along the way. Hmm. <laughs> After drinking a few bottles of Mongolian vodka with his new Mongolian nomad pals, Kim approves, uh-huh. uh, his pals were willing to give him some deets on this, this creature. These Mongolian nomads told the story of a young boy playing outside with a yellow ball. When the boy went inside, the worm followed him in. The boy saw the worm and touches it. He wanted to make a friend. And then he was killed instantly. Oh, buddy. (laughs) He's just trying to make friends with the worm. And then his parents show up. And his parents find him dead. Yeah, And they see a trail in the sand leading away from where he was. Also a bummer. So they knew what had killed him. They knew this legend. I like this. that they know. Like, it's, it's oh, what could have killed our son? I know. It was a Mongolian death worm. That's the first thing that would come into my mind. A hundred percent. Literally, they knew it was the Mongolian death worm. Y'all, if I turn up dead, it was the Mongolian death worm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, something large phallic and that likes thumping to get it out. Yeah. <laughs> Noted. Uh, anyway, so they knew that this... Uh, the worm had killed their son. So they sure. went off to kill the worm. They find it. But guess what happens? It, it kills them too? Worm kills them too. Yep. Yeah. I Sad mean, day. Yeah, with worm, worm's got a worm. Worm's going to worm. Don't mess with the Mongolian death worm. Yeah, or I mean, no, don't. Play with yellow balls. I don't know. Also, don't eat the yellow snow. That No, no yellow snow. No, no yellow, yellow snow. venom. No yellow no. balls. If it's yellow, yellow, keep it mellow. You're so, <laughs> so dumb. Across the world, new threats emerge. Man apes prowl the forests of North America. Giant cephalopods entwine ships in the Pacific. Man eating crocodiles gnash unsuspecting swimmers in Australia. But one bureau has you covered with the latest on monstrous shenanigans in your backyard. Tune in, gentle listeners, 
for breaking news fresh from the teletype. Listen closely, for your lives may depend on it. Turn up the volume. It's time for... The Monsters Report! So Mackerel's group also encountered an old woman. Her name was Purette, and she had agreed to discuss the worm with them. Also, again, legends and lore, word of mouth stories. Sure, sure. She says, quote, I have never personally seen the Alekoi Korikoi, but I have heard much about it. It is said to move about under the sand, and when it wants to kill someone, it moves half its length out of the sand and starts to inflate. The bubble on its body keeps getting larger, and in the end, poison squirts out from it. End quote. Is it just me? Or does this sound like not a worm? I don't know. I mean... (laughs) This is an audio medium, Kim. (laughs) It's a worm, Gabby. It's a worm. Oh, man. I really didn't realize how, like, how many dick jokes would come from a Mongolian death worm episode. Let's face it. Oh, my God. Anything called a Mongolian death worm and you didn't think there would be dick jokes? I guess I'm just a little dense and too focused right now. Oh, (laughs) girl. Girl, <laughs> this is this is this is this is just basically a, a cryptid that we, I actually think the origin was just a dick joke. I mean, I really love how people took it. And ah, uh, yes, the legend took feeds it. the lore and the cycle continues. Mm-hmm. We're feeding something. So mackerel, let's go back to our friend Ivan Mackerel. Holy mackerel. Holy mackerel. He first published his account in the Czech magazine Reflex in Uh 1991. And then he went and published uh, another one in the Czech magazine Philip in 1992. Sure. This is when the legends and lore started to kind of pick up in modern times. It was the 90s. People believed in anything. I mean, truly. His articles finally appeared in English in 1992 and in 1994. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a pair of semi-regular newsletters that focus on um, UFOs and New Age mysticism, my kind of my kind of thing, uh, it was called the Faithist Journal and World Explorer. Sure, honestly, I would read that. I'm not going to lie. Uh, he also managed to put together a documentary for Czech television. It was 30 uh-huh. minutes long, and it was called the Sand Monster Mystery. And it was broadcast in 1993. I could not find it. I really wanted to watch Ooh. it. Wait, I couldn't it, find it. What was it called so again? It's called The Sand Monster Mystery. and it, But it was made as a documentary for a Czech television. So, like, documentary. So it's definitely most likely not in English, which is going to be difficult to understand anyway. But I'm curious to see if anyone can find it. If Kim, if anyone can find it, it's Kim Dalfin. Kim, Kim, Kim's on it. She's looking. Kim's on it. She's looking. All right. We'll see if we can find it. Hold that thought. We'll come back to it if she can. Um, uh, so it's some. Is it sometimes called the Sand Monster Mystery? Yes. Oh wait, no, that's never mind. That's I, something different. I inverted some words. Continue. Okay. <laughs> Now, after all these articles are published, after this documentary goes live, 
things start exploding in the cryptozoology scene on this Mongolian deathworm. And honestly, it kind of seems like it happened mainly because of our friend Ivan Mackerel. He's the one who really you know, pulled, the, pulled the worm from the sand and showed it to everybody, figuratively speaking. Um, and now you can genuinely find the Mongolian deathworm in like a variety of books on cryptids published since the 90s. So it's that's how I was able to kind of find a lot of this information is because of him. But he actually wasn't alone in the search. Fast forward to 2005. Uh-huh. Zoological journalist Richard Freeman of the Center for Fortean Zoology mounted an expedition to hunt for the death worm, but he didn't find anything. He actually was concluding that eh, the tales of the worm's powers had to be inaccurate and it was probably just one of those worm lizards, <laughs> which we'll get to in a second. Um, there was also the reality television series called Destination Truth. I remember Destination Truth. I was going to ask you, did you ever watch it? I did. Did you watch a Mongolian death worm episode? Oh, God, I don't remember, man. <laughs> okay, well, it Maybe. actually... <laughs> conducted a specific expedition from 2006 to 2007 uh-huh. about the Mongolian deathworm, but they didn't nice. come up with anything. But hey, it makes for decent entertainment and television, right? I mean, legit. So there's also a book, a novel called Spook Country, written by William Gibson uh, that was published in 2007. Uh, apparently this creature is also referenced in it. But what's interesting is that the sightings seem to peak in the 50s, the 1950s, but since the early 2000s, um, it, interest has kind of died down because there haven't really been as many sightings, and all mm. of the, like, hoopla kind of happened in the early 90s, right? So it's not been as notable as sure. late. Now, this is where we get to the point of the episode where we say, to Scully or not to Scully. What could it be? So, Kim, if the Mongolian deathworm is real, mm. it is highly unlikely that it is a worm at all. Right? I mean, yeah. So, with more knowledge of ecology, let's talk about the location first for a second. It's in a desert. Gobi Desert. Sure. Something has to be able to live in a desert. Right? So it's yeah. the sixth largest desert in the world. It has extreme climates, temperatures ranging from 120 degrees Fahrenheit to negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Sure. Wide variety. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting is that what was previously thought to be the Mongolian deathworm may have actually been a type of pit viper or rat snake. I was going to say, I was wondering about a snake because yeah. there are snakes in that yeah. area. In that yeah. area. And other than the bright pink and red, blood red flesh, the descriptions match a lot of these types of snakes. Now, in 1983, there was a specimen of tartar sand boa, Eryx tetaricus is the formal name. Sure. And it was shown to locals who claimed to have seen the Olgai Korkoi. And they actually confirmed that this was the same animal. So they didn't see that. They saw this snake. Snake is a good option. That's option A. Now, fun facts. 
From 1966 to 1996, the western region of the Gobi Desert was actually a nuclear testing zone for China. So it could also potentially be a mutated lizard with no arms um, okay. from nuclear fallout. I don't know. A weird animal that happened because uh, sure. they shouldn't be exposed to nuclear fallout. Maybe it's that. That's an option. Some cryptozoologists theorize that a deathworm is actually an amphisbanid. Do you know what an amphisbanid is? No. All right, I'm going to spell it for you in case our friends at home want to look it up. It's A-M-P-H-I-S-B-A-E-N-I-D, and I will tell you what it is. It's usually a legless squamate, um, and there's over 200 species of them. Uh, They're characterized by their long bodies, the reduction or loss of limbs, and rudimentary eyes. (laughs) I don't know why I think that's so funny. Um, usually they have a pink body with ring-like scales and it looks, they look like giant earthworms, essentially. Most of them are about six inches long, max, and they're found in North America, Europe, Africa, South America, Western Asia, and the Caribbean. So they're kind of all over. They're just like really big earthworms, basically. Sure. And at some point might have had arms and legs, but don't anymore. Um, there's also annelids and other related invertebrates that are unable to survive in the desert conditions because their bodies retain moisture and they would dry out and die. So that checks it off as not an option. But maybe some people theorize it could be a worm that's adapted to the harsh environment of the desert, Uh, but likely it's probably some kind of reptile or a snake. But going back to the snake. Yeah. No, I mean that. But big is the... That's what's so weird. It's massive, right? At least, unless that's part of what gets kind of exaggerated, because, I don't know, you see a snake and you're like, even a big snake, you're still like, well, that's just a real big snake. Going immediately to death worm. (laughs) It does sound more fun, though. Sure. No, it's true. But there's also, um, our friend Mackerel had a theory Okay. Um, he thought it was maybe some sort of skink, which is a desert lizard. Oh that... yeah, yeah. We we have we have those in Washington. Do we? I didn't even know that. I yeah. learned something new today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My folks used to have them in their in their yard because I don't know they're they're kind of crazy looking. I mean, they are. I I saw a picture of them. They actually have like these little stubby legs that are really mm-hmm. cute. They're cute, um, but they're. I mean, they're not tiny, but they're not. They're not huge. They're, they're not, not massive. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, he also said it could be a type of legless lizard, called it calling it a worm lizard, which someone sure. else mentioned. Sure. But those types of lizards aren't poisonous. So where yeah. did this theory of, like, somebody looks at it and they die, uh, you know, where'd that come from? There's only the beaded lizard of Mexico and the Gila monster of southern states of the U.S. and Mexico that are the only lizards that are known to have venom. So that could be, I guess, an option as well. But they're not from Mongolia. They're from a totally different part of the world. Hmm. There are also places like Australia that have some wild animals. Um, Australia has the giant Gippsland earthworm, which actually grows to be an average length of 6.5 to 10 feet long. And the longest one was recorded to be 13 feet. So... 
Of course, if anyone's going to have a massive earthworm, it's going to be Australia. Because Australia is has some of the wildest animals out there. Australia is basically designed to kill us all. And I say that with all of the respect in the world for Australia. 100%. Just mm-hmm. the animals there are nuts. So, you know, many cryptids have turned out to be hoaxes. The pants. Pants. <laughs> pants. Or just a pair of pants. Or are you admitting that the pants is a hoax? I just love Muppets, man. So I Muppets would love are the best. Have, I, I would love it to be a Muppet alien. Truly, just like that's what I want it to be. I'm here for that. But the sightings of the death worm were likely to be, you know, driven by mistaken identity of species or, you know, when people don't drink water in the desert, they start to hallucinate. Truly. Absolutely. Maybe someone hallucinated and were losing their mind and saw this, I don't know, maybe it was a literal earthworm and they thought it was a million times bigger than it was. And I don't know, they hallucinated that they spat some kind of venom or were electric i don't know like there's so many options what do you think it is kim ah i mean honestly i i i think it's something that's probably been very heavily influenced by um some of the sci-fi literature that was coming out Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if, if uh, you look at, at what was happening when you've got certain trends of certain particularly cryptids yeah. and, and what was, um, what was being published, spot- what was being published, what was being, uh, spotted a lot. And I think, I mean, you're Dune being a really good point, um, I mean, I just, I think that, that it's very possible people have seen maybe against some real big freaking snakes and, and that's been, well, cause you can, you, you think about stories that become a great big game of telephone, mm-hmm. um, that, that a story starts and, and especially an anecdote because almost all of these are anecdotal accounts um somebody says something and and the game you know it, it grows it grows it grows it grows it grows um it's let's hope uh it's it's to me it's it's not dissimilar i mean the pants you at least have the video but like where the idea of this is almost more fun than anything else like i don't want to i i want there to be an actual mongolian death worm because yeah i do um <laughs> But do I, does the evidence, Evidence. if if I'm going to scully, is there any actual evidence to support it? No, I I have a great respect for Ivan for like doing his due diligence and really trying to to track stuff down. Um, But without some more compelling stuff, it feels very much just like another kind of folk story. An awesome folk story. Yeah. But but a folk story. But a folk story. 
So question, because I yeah. know you've been digging while we've been talking about this. Did you find anything <laughs> I, on the I documentary? Think, I think I found it. Oh my gosh, did you really? <laughs> I think I might have. Like, it's hard because I was trying to kind of like low key look at it while you were talking. Um, and it is definitely not in English. So I'm also trying to figure out based on like, yeah, well, and based on, um, what the title card says, which like, there's a picture of Bigfoot right there in oh, the intro, yeah. in the entryway, cryptozoology, netvora. What does netvora mean? Netvora. I'm going to look this up. Check translation. I keep spelling check very incorrectly. <laughs> Um, Netvora is monster. Ha ha. Nice. That's, 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 that's really, I sent a link to Gabby. Um, I think, I don't know this. It's hard to, cause there's not like, I was hoping there'd be, you know, they're talking to people and interviewing people, but there's not captions on that. Um, this might be the kind of thing that we have to watch it and then kind of, but it's about a half hour long, which my yeah. understanding of the documentary is that it was about a half hour long and the caption of it, which is also not in English, but there's words I recognize. There's that. Yeah. Uh, the Ivan mackerel and, um, the date given is 92, Yep, which right. would, which would match it. And actually, Oh, here's the full title. Let me check the translation of this. Cause I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Cause oh, I can't do that. I just kept doing that. This whole episode. The mystery of the sand monster. Yeah. I absolutely found it. Yep. Boom. Leave it to Kim Douthat, everyone to find it. Now we just need someone to translate the whole thing. Great. I wonder like Google translate has translated things for me in the past on you. It's on YouTube. So you can watch this on YouTube. Um, Maybe we'll have to put it in our show notes. If I put, what happens if I try? Oh, it won't let me turn closed captions on. Yeah, this is this is. We should absolutely put in the show notes, but this is also very much not in English. <laughs> <laughs> if any of our listeners can uh, distinguish Czech and want to transcribe it for us, let us know. But if nothing um, else, we can provide you the link because Kim has absolutely found it. Teamwork makes a dream work. That's what I always say. This is, like, seriously, if you're ever like, I can't find this thing, ask Kim. me. I can find it. Kim finds it. I knew it. Kim Douthat finds it. Boom. Uh, so let me tell you about some. This is a perfect segue. I'm going to give you air quotes. Research yes. that I did. <laughs> there is a show called Lost Tapes. It is the dumbest show. <laughs> Kim would hate it or love it. It's hard to determine. I'd hate Although, watch it. After watching this, I have come to the conclusion that Kim needs to watch it for the sake of laughter. Okay. Because um, basically it's a cryptid show that looks like a worse intro to the original X-Files intro. Um, like <laughs> nobody tried. Um, and it, it's basically horrible found footage horror like masked as actual documentary. Sure. Um, and so allegedly in oh, this show, they, they basically do this thing where they show these um, home video style. It literally looks like a really shitty version of Blair Witch, but like two dudes on ATVs going through the desert and getting lost at night. Um, and in between all of it, they're giving these deets that I just gave you on this Mongolian death worm. <laughs> Um, and 
<laughs> they apparently it's these two friends that go to the Gobi Desert to go ATVing and they record their adventure. Allegedly. Sure. It's so fake. It's so acted. It's just dumb. I would but, watch it just because I'd want them to get lost somewhere at night. Oh, and the best part, the best part is that the only like thing that you see and basically what happens, I'm going to give it away. Sorry, not sorry. This was probably made 20 years ago. If you haven't watched it, it's your own fault. Um, They get lost and basically get eaten by some creature. But the only thing that that the cameras show is something like slithering under the sand. And then they do like a quick two second zoom in of like the ATV wheel. And there's this like awkward red looking like smiling snake like hiding behind it. And it's really funny. Um, It's so bad. It's (laughs) so bad. But for the sake of air quotes research I watched it and the best part was that I made my mom watch it with me with Terrence because I was at my parents house last week and my mom just kept going like what are we watching what is this so um yeah that was lost tapes I watched that for your sake and entertainment Kim it is on discovery plus listeners it is on discovery plus it's the first season one episode one it's the very first one that they ever did um It's so bad. Uh, That was the first terrible thing I watched. The second terrible thing I watched was the 2010 made-for sci-fi TV movie. Oh, dear. Self-titled Mongolian Deathworm. Have you seen this movie, Kim? I have not, but I feel like I should rectify that. You should 100% add that to your 100 Days of Horror. If you have not already uh, filled every 100 day. Um, it is accessible on Prime. You just have to watch it with commercials if you watch it on Prime. Yeah, it's fine. Um, that's where I watched it. Uh, it is so bad. It's like the, the one-liners in it are just like so, so, so dumb. Um, basically, it's full of one-liners, really bad CGI. The the death worms look like really big slugs that just like have a mouth nice. that comes out of the slug that just eats a whole person. Um, and then when a person gets eaten, the whole person turns into a CGI person. And nice. so it's just like, it's so bad. But I also made my mom watch that <laughs> with me and Terrence. And then it's like a finale at the end of the movie, just like rains gold, which makes no sense at all. Um, <sighs> it's a ridiculous movie. Um, but hey, I love being given the opportunity to watch dumb shit and you do use like it as your a dumb reference. shit. Um, yeah, so also you would also like this, but also yell at the TV the whole time. Um, so <laughs> that was my research, air quotes. But the ultimate question is if it really does exist and it's not a snake and it's not one of those other things that we talked about, how could anyone have lived to tell its tale or identify it in the first place? And I think it's just a snake or a really big earthworm and a bunch of stupid dudes. That and a like great to tell story. Stories. Yes. And a great story that some guy with a tiny dick started. <laughs> and that's the Mongolian deathworm. I love it. I love it. I hope I did Kim Douthit justice. You did. I'm with proud. the Mongolian deathworm because it was your request to do. It was. It's true. I've been, I've been talking about it for a while. The Mongolian deathworm. Mongolian deathworm. We need to get you. <laughs> um, awesome. And a this mi- brings a Mongolian us deathworm? to. <laughs>
<laughs> Creepy Critics Corner! <laughs> Creepy Critics Corner! <laughs> Kim, what are you watching? <laughs> Uh, a, a good many things, Gabby, a good many things. Uh, again, I am, I am right in the midst of 100 Days of Horror. Uh, I've watched a couple new releases recently. I went and saw The Invitation in theaters. Was it good? I liked it. It's nice. so silly. It's so silly, but it's so much fun. And it's such a, like, silly, gothic, hammer-style vampire brides of dracula horror film i don't know it was great i just i really enjoyed it it's again it's real silly it's real silly but it's a damn good time and i love that kind of of um uh, that's that it's my jam that's my jam in terms of of like you're just sort of silly i think i've said silly like 50 times take a shot um the other (laughs) The other movie I just watched, uh, so one of the things I kind of love is both the movies I'm recommending tonight were both directed by women. Oh, hell yeah. Because the second movie I'm going to recommend, and this is one that I actually just watched on Shudder, love the Shudder app, is a movie called Watcher. It's very much a psychological thriller. It has uh, a little bit of a Hitchcock vibe going on. Nice. Um, but, it, I mean, it's... And, and in terms of plot, like, if you if you watch a lot of movies, you will know all the beats of this plot. It's not going to be anything new, but it's really well acted. It's really well executed. Uh, and... and very satisfying. I mean, it's it's... As the whole thing kind of unfurls, you're just... I don't know. I was completely in, in for it. Um, the lead actress... Micah Monroe, and I apologize if I've said her first name wrong. Uh, she was in It Follows. Um, Ooh, I love that movie. Yeah, uh, and and she's she's just fantastic in it. Um, a woman moves with her husband to Romania, and um, her husband speaks Romanian. Her her mom, or excuse me, his mom was Romanian, so he's fluent in the language. She she doesn't speak it at all. He'd gotten a job there, so they moved there. And so you have her living in this foreign country without a job because she hasn't, like, she's kind of in between stuff. She just moved to a foreign country. Her husband's got mm-hmm. this new, very exciting job. And um, there's the serial killer who's decapitating young women. Oh, dang. And he's being called the spider. And her and her husband are coming home one night and uh, past one of the crime scenes. So it's like all very dramatic. And she becomes convinced there's this gentleman following her. And I mean, you again, you can kind of guess where this is going to go. She gets very paranoid. She's convinced she's being followed. She's convinced this guy is after her. And of course, she's saying this to people and all these men in her life being like, "Mm, girl, you're crazy. Uh, uh, but it's again, it's 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 just it was really well done. I really enjoyed it, so I, nice. I I highly recommend it. You can again, you can stream it on Shutter. The invitation, if you want something super silly and super fun, is in theaters right now. So that's uh, that's some of what I've been watching. What have you been watching? Nice. That sounds. I really want to see the invitation. I was a good hearing time. about that, and I, I haven't. I was looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Um, but I've been watching my research that I just told you about. That's fair. That's so that fair. was kind of like my segue into Creepy Critics Corner. Mm-hmm. But I've also been super stoked to watch the new HBO show, House of the Dragon, uh, which yeah. is the new Game of Thrones prequel show, mm-hmm. essentially, that happened mm-hmm. hundreds of years before. Mm-hmm. 
Game of Thrones happened, essentially. Um, it's great. I really like it a lot. I've seen the first two episodes. The casting is really well done. Um, Dougal from... <laughs> I don't know his actual name. I should look up his actual name. Yeah, you but know. he he plays Dougal in Outlander. Oh, okay. Dougal from Outlander plays one of the main knights, and it's just the best casting ever. And the second I saw him in the full knight garb, I got so excited and was like, oh, oh, they did a great job with this casting. Oh, it's great. I really love this. I can't wait to watch the whole thing. Um, it's very sad. It's very gory. It's exactly everything you would expect from Game of Thrones. Sure. But I feel like they did a reset and started writing a lot better. I mean, <laughs> Because that's the good. end of Game of Thrones was terrible. Sucked um, is the word I'd use personally. I was not a fan, but you know. Yeah. But this writing so far, so good. It's only been two episodes, though, so I'll hold my tongue. Okay. Um, on the other edge of the sword... Also on HBO, I have been watching F Boy Island, which is a really funny reality show that is so staged with Nikki Glazer, who's a really funny comedian, and it's her show. And it's basically the premise is that there's three women and 26 dudes, and 13 of the dudes are self proclaimed fuckboys, and yeah. 13 guys are considered nice guys. They are good dudes. And these three girls have to decipher who is a nice guy and who is a fuckboy. Oh, and geez. go through and eliminate people on a weekly basis. And it is very funny. Oh, my God. These dudes are such idiots. And just to, like, watch the girls just shit talk them is very entertaining. Nice. So, like, and, and Nikki Glazer also just, like, directly does it. And there's no shame whatsoever. So... I don't know. I feel like I've come across many a fuckboy in my time that I take pleasure in seeing them being shit-talked to. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit of what I've been watching on top of the really terrible uh, <laughs> Mongolian deathworm. Fair, fair. Documentaries, mm-hmm. air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and that's what I've been watching. That's fair. That's good. Those are all good things. And what's really exciting is that we are sneaking up on the Pacific Northwest True Crime Fest. We're just going to plug it every single time we have an episode leading up to it. If you guys would like to come, we're going to be doing a double topic episode, Mm -hmm. uh, live episode recording for that. Um, And uh, you can get a discounted ticket by using ghoulish15 as your discount code at uh, pnwtruecrimefest.com. Mm-hmm. Um, looking forward to that. It's October 8th and 9th. We will be there on the 8th. And it is in Washington. It Look is. It. That's true. And Kim, I know you have a couple things you wanted to plug as well. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we'll we'll post about this on our social media uh, because in terms of links to things, it's a little hard to do over the podcast. But uh, a while back, I did a, a little interview for Sledgehammer Horror. Uh, my first horror film, and the interview is up now. It's on YouTube. You can find Sledgehammer Horror on YouTube, on um, on Twitter, if you want to look them up on Twitter and on Instagram. But uh, it's it's us talking about my first horror film that I ever saw. And and uh, if you've never watched the show, it's a real good time. So we'll we'll be posting those links so you can take a little look yourself and uh, nice. maybe post your first horror film. Ooh, yeah. I think Jurassic Park. 
I thought was my really? first horror film, but it's not really a horror film, but I definitely I mean, hid behind a couch. It's genre enough. Like, we'll take that. But anyway, um, thank you for listening. Yeah. And if you would like to support us financially or through a, I don't know, review, uh, find yes. us on the interwebs, the ghoulish tendencies, anywhere mm-hmm. you find yeah. anything on the sure. internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have a Patreon. We also have uh, our all of our podcast episodes are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We have our um, website, ghoulishtendencies.com, that shows mm-hmm. all of our social medias, including our Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and... If you like what we do, give us a rating and a review. We really appreciate it. And having said that, thank you for listening. And stay spooky.